and we're back. Hello, everyone. I've been on a two-week hiatus, but don't think I haven't missed you. I have, but it's been a great break. Lots of things going on. What, you ask? Oh, thank you for asking, let me tell you. So I had a graduation, as I'm sure many of you have in the past few weeks, especially if you're in college. So my youngest graduated from college a few weeks ago, and what a day. You know, normally we dread those things, but as the mom, it could not have been long enough for me. And let me tell you, it was long. <laughs> we had to wait in line to get in, to get a seat two hours in advance, and then the ceremony was three hours long. So none of the kids probably enjoyed the time that they spent sitting shoulder to shoulder with people they probably didn't know. But from a parent's perspective, it was fantastic because it's the culmination, right, of the end. And for some of us, it's the end end. No more kids in college, no more tuition payments. So very exciting. Enjoyed that immensely. I think I enjoyed it so much, though, that I got sick. So I've had a cold for 10 days, can't shake it, getting there. But um, my radio voice was not at its best. So here we are, we're back, talking tonight about your ride or die friends. And if you saw my picture on Instagram, um, I had one of, of Thelma and Louise about five days ago. That's That's what we're talking about. Who's your Thelma? Or are you Louise? Especially as we you know, kind of age in life, we need someone that can tell us the truth. Now, this is different from feedback. We talked about that a few weeks ago where we, you know, are, do we want feedback? Like your shirt's too loud or you're too loud <laughs> or you talk too much. Um, that's feedback. But ride or die is who's the person or people in your life that you can go to when something is wrong. And it's not always asking for help. We don't realize that we need help when we're in these situations. But it's the friend that says to you, um, I think you have a problem and I want to either help you or point it out or have you think about it that we're talking about tonight. Because sometimes when we're in our own heads or living our own lives, we don't see what's obvious in front of us and don't know if we should make a decision, we're not even thinking about that. We're just living our lives. And I think about my own life, you know, when um, Mark was sick, I think back to the night before he died. And, you know, I had family here, I had friends here. And, you know, as they're in hospice, you have to keep giving pain medication. And and Mark was at that point, you know, the night before he died, kind of, really kind of out of it, in and out. And so, you know, I would do the pain medication, as scheduled. And I can remember my sister saying to me, it's 10 o'clock, you need to go give Marcus meds. I'm like, I was just up there, like he's completely asleep. And she's like, if you don't get up there, I'm going to do it. And and my my friend was here and she said that the two of them, they were like Sally Fields in that movie with Julia Roberts, Steel Magnolias, like, she only has to wait till four, give her the medication. And I laugh about it now because they were like, get up there. And I was going you know, maybe I had frozen feet, maybe I was afraid, maybe I didn't want to have to face what was, you know, going to meet me up there. But I needed the push. And I didn't ask for opinions. I wasn't like, hey, what does everyone think I should do? I knew I should do it. But my ride or dies were there to make sure I did it. And was I mad? No, I'm, I'm glad that someone was here 
to push me along, to make me see the reality, to make me just stick to the plan. I thought he was asleep. He was fine. And they were like, nope, we stick to the plan. Wake him up. We're doing it. And so who's your ride or die? Do you have a situation in your life right now that maybe you think someone, you know, kind of inserting themselves and helping you see the light might make a difference? As I promised later this month, we're starting the uh, Middle Age Roundtable. And one of the subjects that we're going to talk about is caring for parents, um, aging parents, parents that are sick. Or for those of you that are younger, having the conversations with your parents now about what they would want if they get into a situation where they need help or assisted living. But I did that very thing um, with a friend of mine just recently. And I said she was recanting, you know, some situation in her life where she's taking care of a parent and kind of the steps she's going through. And I thought in my head, like, you have to say something. But if you say something, you could be like stepping into a territory that's none of your business. Maybe my opinion isn't wanted, but having gone through it with my mother and then my father, I just kind of wanted to say, it's okay. And I said right out, which came, I I said to her that night, this is going to be the next topic of my next podcast, which is ride or die. And I said, I'm your ride or die friend. I'm just going to say, you don't have to do this. You should, you know, seek help. You should do this. You should, in my opinion, not burden this on your own. And it's just saying it. She can take my suggestion or support and do nothing, or she can do something, or she can think about it. But I think sometimes in our lives, we need someone to tell us it's okay about a really hard decision that we have to make in our life. And caring for someone sick or caring for an an aging parent is one of those things. We feel so guilty about what we should, air quotes, do versus what we need to do. And I just had this conversation recently with someone else, um, someone that is an only child and his mother is very young, um, what I would consider young, early 70s. And he was saying, oh, you know, we might have her come and live with, with us. And I said, that sounds great now when she can drive a car, you know, work a job, go out with her friends. But what are you going to do eight years from now? when she can't do any of those things and you've moved her into your home and then your life, your spouse's life becomes caretaking of that parent. And then all the feelings come in afterwards. I feel guilty. She gave birth to me. This is my responsibility, but it's not. We need to kind of live our own lives and do what we need to do for ourselves, for our careers, for our own family and supporting our parents absolutely but i think where it comes into ride or die is having the conversations now you don't want to be forced into a situation or taking an action that's going to cause you so much duress um, because of the way you feel and what you think is right so i think that having a ride or die friend to offer their opinion is a good thing. And maybe you are the receiver of the ride or die, or you are the um, giver. But it has to be a situation where you feel, know, that what you say, you have trust in the relationship that what you say is not going to offend the other person. So for example, you would never kind of ride or die, you know, maybe someone's shoe choice. (laughs) You would not do it on a hair style or 
perhaps a, you know, career choice, I guess. But one of the things that I was laughing about last weekend is I had a friend come visit me from Kansas. I'll call her Dorothy. Hello, Dorothy. And she is a health, mental health professional. And so we were talking about this very subject, which is how do you kind of give your opinion, and in her case, educated opinion or advice when the door may not be open. And we laughed because she's has was divorced before I was divorced, obviously. I am divorced. Um, and she was saying that in her schooling to become a mental health professional, she and some of her classmates were joking that they could just set up practice on college ca- campuses and have women come up and sit down and they would say, tell me about your boyfriend. <laughs> and it could be like the same 10 questions. Tell me how he treats you. Tell me how he does this. Because as we've talked about here many times before, what you see is what you get. You are not going to change the person as much as you want them to become in your fantasy, something that they are not. We could solve these problems immediately during college or even high school, if you're with your high school boyfriend or girlfriend and have someone say to us, tell me 10 things and then give our opinion and better off truly in that case, if it's maybe someone you don't know, because your feelings won't be heard. If a friend, if your mom, if someone close to you is saying, hey, your boyfriend, girlfriend, deadbeat, treats you bad, not good, the first thing you're going to do is get defensive. And it's not always welcome. Because what if you decide to stay with that person and now you've got three people telling you, yeah, it's not the one. So trust has to be there. But I think that in this world of everything must be positive, we must only say polite things, let's not lose sight of the power that we have as friendship, in our friendships. To be able to say to someone, I'm watching you go through something difficult and I want to tell you my advice. Now, it's not helpful when you just say, you know, that sucks. You know what you should do? What I did is blah, blah. No one wants to hear that try and have like an applicable situation or potential solution or a recommendation, take it or leave it. But when you're ride or die with someone, Thelma and Louise, we're not going off the cliff, kids. We're not getting in the car. It's a metaphor. But that's what friends are for, right? Or maybe if it's someone not that close to you, the message might be received a little bit easier. So maybe they had the same situation as you. You know, I have a disabled father. He lives alone. I'm thinking about moving him in. I know you had a situation. What did you do? Solicit the feedback, but know that you're not alone. It gets harder. I don't know about you all, but I think in our 20s and 30s, we're so optimistic and hopeful about what life will be. Marriage, then kids, buy a house. You know the the drill. And it gets harder as you get older and becomes more isolating because you're not celebrating the wins anymore. You're taking the hits, whether it's divorce, infidelity, whether it's you just don't like your mate or you're single, can't find a date. Um, It's hard, it's isolating when you're alone because especially in the world today, when you vocalize, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling down, I'm feeling, you know, you know, what's the point? Nine times out of 10, I feel like you're gonna get shunned for it. Unless it's a friend and they're going to say, it's okay, it will get better. And those aren't the things that you want to hear. 
you, you want action items, right? A to-do list. Or someone that's going to say, that really sucks. And if I were you, I would do blank, blank, blank. Or make a suggestion. But trust is key. But I think that we need to rely on ride or die friends. And if we haven't faced a situation like that yet, maybe spend a few minutes. Go for a walk. Shut your headphones off. And think about if I had, you know, kind of a dire situation or a really hard decision to make, who could I ask about it? And don't pick the people that are going to tell you the things that you want to hear. You're the best. You're the greatest. What an awesome decision. Anything you do is right. It's not helpful. It's not helpful to you. So it's having the internal strength to say, you know, I have a problem and wanting and being open to getting the feedback. And it's not a discussion, you know, for a fire pit, <laughs> six beers in. <laughs> it's not. Um, it's something we have to think about. But I, I think about it a lot. You know, it's been an interesting year. As I mentioned on here before, um, my, I should say life partner, my, my best man, Mark, died about a year ago. And there are decisions that I, have been hard for me. Like, how do I do repairs? Like, who do I call to do this thing? Um, and some of those decisions, you have to do it on your own. You know, you just have to make them. Those are easy, right? But it's bigger decisions. What do I do next? What should be my next play? Um, how do I move on? How do I fill my life now that my life is completely different? And sometimes when you think about like, who can I burden this with? <laughs> the answer is, oh God, no one. Because, you know, you've listened long enough and it's isolating, you're kind of on your own, or if you're in therapy with your therapist, trying to sort it all, sort it all out. But better to plan for it, I think. So that's my advice. What's your dire situation? What's the thing coming up? Or for you younger, younger listeners, you graduates of college or people coming up, it's probably time to have a conversation with your parents. While everyone's happy and feeling joyous, what do they want you to do for them? when they do get older what decisions do you want them to make and we talked about this very early in the podcast about getting your trust done and i'm very proud of i think five of you that have gotten it done and i did mine and i sat down with my kids and i said hey this is the trust and i got the look you know the look they don't want to talk about it they're at the beginning of their lives having fun getting jobs having apartments girlfriends but all i had to say it's it's here in this book so if anything happens, here's the book. And they know exactly how I feel about as I get older and say my mobility is not that great. I live in a house of stairs here. Um, I will move myself out. I have an age in my head that I will move because I live in a townhouse. There's a lot of stairs. I will move myself out. And truly, I said this to my sister this weekend, if I could move into an apartment tomorrow and have the security that I would never get kicked out of it. Because if you're living in a two family or a building, you know, that's, I don't want a condo, say just to pay rent, you, you have that insecurity that someone might, you know, oh, you're out or the rent's too high or we're knocking the building down. I would do it. I don't want to be anyone's problem. I don't want to be anyone's burden. And I don't want my kids having to make decisions for me because I failed to make the right decisions for me. It is their life. It's their time to live their life. And of course, they're going to support you and help you and be there for you 
all of that. But I don't think it's our decision, you know, to say, well, you'll have to deal with me. You know, when I have a stroke, it's on you. <laughs> We're not going to do that. So who's your ride or die? Who do you think it's going to be? And I challenge you all to um, think of that situation this week and come up with some own, your own solutions. I Speaking of graduations, there's one thing I want to get off my chest. I know I have some listeners out here that graduated from college. Could someone please text me, DM me, call me up and explain to me in a world where we are fighting for equality and trying to be our best women selves that every female graduate wears a white dress on graduation. Doesn't that kind of take our individuality away? I really wanted to see like a silver sequins number, maybe sleeveless, maybe a nice tank dress with with sleeves. But I went to my own son's graduation, 1,500 people were there, and 67% of them, by the way, were girls, white everywhere. The only individuality was the shoes, where they were either black, red, or white, the color of the school. So ladies, please let me know what this phenomenon is. Why are we doing it? Why is being the same? Is it a photo op? I don't know. Just wondering, not making a judgment, just wondering. Okay, let's move on to the hate list. Boy, you know, I took a chance with the hate list last time. And for those of you that didn't listen to the last episode, I wanted to just talk about things that we hate because again, we're in a world where saying things that aren't, isn't rosy, optimistic, or completely affirming every minute is, is just completely dismissed. And I can't take it. Life is not like that. Life is not a face full of makeup and a positive skip down the road every day. And so we're losing our opportunity to say, you know what? I hate that. So I was talking to, I went out to dinner with some family on Friday night. And so I was talking about the hate list. They're not listeners. So I said, oh, I have the hate list. And I got the old eye roll. If they could roll any further back in their head, they would. And I explained what it is. And everyone jumped in. I think that the people that were with me, um, family, were thinking, here she goes. She's going to start again. You know, it's going to be someone's personality. It's going to be just about Corvettes. Hate them. But no, it's okay. I want everyone to just let it all out. So at dinner, we talked about the hate list. And I would like to thank my, thank my super fans that came to me with their hates. It made me happy. See, hate can be good. When I heard your hate list, I'm leading with it tonight. The number one hate, which by the way, I've been doing a little like poll over the past two weeks when I got this one text me and every single person was like, yes, it is gender reveal parties. And may I add, thank you, friend from Georgia, gender reveal party bloopers. We just don't care. And I know that some, I saw when I just said this to a friend a few weeks ago, they had a lovely one in their backyard, just family. It was adorable. Love that. I'm talking about the halls, people that are renting restaurants and always has to do with like firing off something that ends up blowing up in their face. But all of that money spent to reveal a gender that is going to happen anyway, whether you have a party or not. And 
with all of the weddings that are going on now that are around me, when I hear about what people are paying, there's no like girls night out for a bachelorette party anymore. There's no guys get in the limo and get drunk and whatever. It is trips to different states, islands. It's thousands and thousands of dollars that we are required to pump into a wedding. And then on top of that, you know, if things go all right, you're having a kid soon and then you're requesting more gifts more time and more like lunacy. So I love that. Thank you, listener, for that one. Um, Number two, holding your fork like a weapon. I just saw this at a work thing recently where there were people were eating steak and and I'm going to describe it. You can see it with, you know, in your mind when you're cutting a steak and you grab the fork and you put your fist around it and kind of stab it and then saw at it with your other hand? No, no, it, it just screams, I have no manners. Now, if you're someone that's grabbing your fork and sawing your meats, just run to the internet, silverware etiquette, let's get that done. Then you're set for life. No sawing, grabbing that fork. Okay, the teacup pose. It is time for the teacup pose to go away. Now, I'm supported by this because you know TikTok is like my main source of information and it seems like it's fallen out of fashion where we all are lining up, you know, everyone line up in a in a row, which I kind of like group pictures. So I'm not I love a group picture. It's like it's such a memory of everyone when that was there. But when we bam, place our hand right on our hip, foot out to the side. I'm doing it. Can you see me? Are you laughing? Okay, so my hands on my hip, my hair is back. My foot's out to the side and my fingers are like showing. My shoulders are forward, teacup. Ridiculous. We're not cheerleaders. You know, that's where it came from, by the way. Cheerleaders had to do it. And so that's, you know, when they were doing their things and then it just got adopted crazy around the world. So let's put our hands down, you know, maybe put them in front of us. You're holding a drink. Let's get rid of the teacup pose. Okay, one that came from a fan, Disney fanatics. Now, I am not one. I know some Disney fanatics, and they are fanatical. Um, But this came from a listener that was just like, I can't take it. I can't take the 10 trips a year, all of the clothing, the jewelry. There were things I didn't even know that came in Disney. But that was their rub, so that's all I have to say for that. And then um, here's my last one. Cream body deodorant. Have you seen this? They advertise it on like streaming TV. They advertise it on regular TV. And the woman that's advertising it says, and I quote, when you're not so fresh down there. Okay. If you're not so fresh down there, here's my advice. Take a shower. Don't get some disgusting cream deodorant. Cream. Squirt it in your hands. And put it all over your nasty ass body that just needs a shower. We need to hate on that. No, no, we're just going to use soap. I don't know who invented that. I, I really, it needs to go away. I, I can't, I can't do it. And then the other thing, which is my own personal rub, as someone that used to be afraid of flying, I can say this, but I was recently on a business trip and the flight out was at like 7.15 and the flight home was at 7.30 in the morning. And the people that harangue the um, flight attendants for vodka, 
first thing in the morning. I know you're scared, okay? Gummies, they're legal in most states. But this panic of haranguing the flight attendant as she's trying to get everyone settled and, you know, get the plane taken off and you're begging for vodka. Like, get help. Like, just please get help. That's not the answer. And the guy was in a business suit. And I'm like, are you going to like waltz into Boston? Maybe at some bank reeking of Bloody Mary because you can't sit through a 40 minute flight. And again, I was used to be afraid to fly better ways to handle it. But that just annoys me. It was interesting too. On that flight from Philadelphia to Boston, probably huge, 40 something rows. And I was in an exit row and a guy came up to the flight attendant and said, I need to get off. And she's like, what? And he goes, yeah, my business meeting just canceled and I don't want to have to fly to Boston, fly off, fly back. Um, I need to get off. And she was like, okay, just wait till everyone boards and they let this guy off. I hope he was met by the sheriff or TSA or someone. That never would have happened post 9-11, like right afterwards. We would have emptied out the plane. Everyone would have been scanned. Guy kind of freaked me out. I didn't really believe his story, but we made it. You know, I'm here to tell you we made it. So it was kind of freaky. Okay. Um, All right. So last topic I want to talk about tonight is financially supporting or cutting off your kids um, or abandoning your kids. It's these, these are situations like it's kind of mind your own business, Melissa, like I'll do what I want. I'll give my kids what they want. And I'm not your example of what to do. Believe me, because when I was in college, in high school, even I worked since I was 15 and I had a paper route and I walked six miles uphill in a snowstorm. No, um, my parents both worked. And while we certainly weren't poor, we were not rich. And so in the 70s, in the 80s, if you wanted money, you earned it. I worked all through high school. In college, I worked. I had two jobs my senior year because I couldn't call home and say to my mother, can you send me 100 bucks? The answer would be no. They had three kids in college at the same time. It's not that they didn't want to. They couldn't. So I'm the complete opposite where like if I get a bonus at work, I give my kids a bonus. Um, I like to shoot the money as a surprise maybe play for it, pay for a train ticket now and then. But I know some, some of you with stronger resolve um, are more, can more easily cut your kids off. So I'll be working on that this summer. Um, my college graduates living with me. I cannot contain the joy of being back to my mom duties and truly having some normalcy in my life. My 10 months of sitting on the couch eating alone are now over and I'm busy doing laundry and cooking up a storm and I love every minute of it. But on the financial side, I wanted to talk about kind of this weird phenomenon, which goes back to the girls on campus. We want to talk to you um, about your mate. But I have been doing four work. I work in education finance. In the past month, I've done five webinars for work. You can check them out on YouTube if you want to be really enlightened or bored, depending on how you're coming at it. But we just did one last week on changes to the FAFSA form. So for those of you that have kids in college, you know that's the free financial aid application that you complete to get access to federal loans, um, grants, and in some case, you know, state scholarships has to be filled out. But it's all changing. So the FAFSA opens in October for the next academic year. Um, But this year they're changing the FAFSA so that basically you will fill out, I think it's 16 questions where it used to be something like 60 
and then they will attach to your tax return and pull in all the information from your tax return so that you don't have to do the manual entry, which I guess is good. But as someone that has used the um, IRS retrieval tool for my own FAFSA, if the way they validate it is if you don't type exactly your name and address as it is on your tax return, which so many of us are doing in them electronically, it will reject and not work. So it's frustrating. And so if you're doing it, first time FAFSA filers, have your tax return or a picture of it because I wasn't doing my middle initial and it was Melissa A. Dot Bassett, where I just go by Melissa Bassett, but on my taxes for some reason, the A was there. Um, so precision is necessary. But the, the session that we were doing and we did it with a woman that's a financial aid expert, was FAFSA for divorced parents. And so this is a big, big deal because the rules are all changing for those of you that are divorced as it relates to FAFSA. So before it used to be, you know, who's got the custodial, who's the custodial parent, who does the child spend more than 50% of their time with, fills out the FAFSA. Um, and if you had multiple kids, you would get credit for having multiple kids in school at the same time. That is all gone. It's gone away. And so it's the parent that has the most financial means. And defining that parent, it's yet to happen. So the feds owe us a lot of answers. But you know, the person that we worked with on this webinar said, this is the hottest topic we have to talk about it, just see what questions were out there. We had over 200 people sign up live and we're on the live stream for this session. And the thing that really bummed me out was, and most, most of the parents were divorced. The thing that bummed me out was the questions that came, and I am not exaggerating, from, from no less than 12 parents, mothers, on. And there was one divorced dad that was on there, and he was, he was you know, asking questions, very, you know, partnership, willing to help or whatever. But in the chat, so they were asking questions in the chat. We didn't take live questions. They were, the moms were talking about how child support in their state ends in high school. Ohio is one of those states, I believe, in Michigan. So it doesn't matter. In Massachusetts, child support can go until the kid graduates from college and then they're on your own unless you are, as a parent, want to emancipate yourself and say, I don't want to support my kid in court. So that's obviously a nice conversation. Never. Though I know two people that have done that. I, I don't get it how you can, let me take you to court so I can't support you. It's bizarre. But um, the mothers were desperate because in these states where child support was ending, there was no longer going to be any support for college. And so they were wondering what could they do? Even if he made more money, you know, could they petition it? And this is like complicated legal shit. Like lawyers would have to get involved to help these couples. But I was amazed that there was at least a dozen women desperate on this webinar looking for help because the divorced dad did not want to support, not only not support their living expenses, but support their tuition. And so it just kind of piqued my interest. I'm like, I have to do a little bit of research on this and don't worry, I didn't go to TikTok. But what I found was that, and I believe this, that when people get divorced, and if it's the dad that is the one that's saying, I want out, whether it's they just want out or they have a new honey that they want to set up a life with, um, they are out. And so, you know, there's some shame in that perhaps. 
maybe a little lack of self-esteem, a little abandonment perhaps. But what it comes down to is that these dads, these these divorced parents never wanted to have the responsibility of raising a child in the first place. So they're not like, oh, Bobby, I hate you, so you're not going to college. They left because they didn't want the responsibility, got hard, of being a parent, having to give up your personal life, having to give up maybe some of your wants. And I'm not going to say needs. You have kids. That's that's the, the road you, you choose. But it was because they wanted to leave their life as it existed at that time. I think that makes total sense because they don't want to hurt the kid, right? And the the wives are obviously looking at it as, oh, it's hurting me because now I have to burden, I have the burden of all of it. But it's no, they didn't want the responsibility to begin with. So in their head, as soon as they get out, they can justify the lack of support by saying, well, I didn't want that life anyway. I've started my life. And it's kind of like, as we talk about, you know, in some of our episodes, that's where we come from. Empowerment for women, pre-marriage, marriage and divorce, if you get there. Um, your pairing, your marriage, especially if you have kids, it's forever. Like you can't get away from it. And so it's hard to say, oh, we'll have a healthy relationship when we break up because there's so much emotion in it. But understanding why people do some of the things they do is helpful, you know? And so I couldn't say to these poor women, I did some research and it's really that they didn't want to be in the the responsibility of having a family to begin with. You know, they become like weird uncle Sal after that. Um, But I felt for them. I really, really did. I felt for them because now on top of everything and what they're dealing with financially, their kid is going to miss out. So no real advice here, file the FAFSA, Um, make decisions about college early. For those of you that have kids that are still not college age, the tuition and the choice of school should happen before you even walk onto a campus. There is no hope. There is no luck. There is no, oh, my kid's going to be so brilliant. Everything's going to be free. You have to be able to say like for over four years, I can afford the following amounts and say that to your child. I can afford this much. You can get this much in loans and see what you get for financial aid, which is not going to be a lot if you make, you know, 90000 and above. But better to set the expectation up front on what the family agrees to, divorced or married. Um, and in some agreements, it says, you know, the parents can decide together where the kid can go to school. And it usually, if you can't decide, if you can't come to conclusion or an agreement, it's whatever the state tuition is you know, you'll share whatever the, that it would be the minimum. Um, but have, have that plan in advance because shit happens. No one thinks they're going to get divorced. No one thinks that something, you know, someone's going to die or something bad is going to happen. But a, a plan, you know, what is it? A goal without a plan is just a wish or something or a wish. I don't know. Make a plan and make it now and say, this is what we can afford. You know what you can afford now. Um, and what you'll be able to do then before you even put a foot on a campus. That would be my advice. But for those of you that are divorced and have been kind of financially abandoned, you know, it's worth the research. It's not always about you or about the kid. It's about what they don't want to do.
or, or don't want to pay for. So uh, let's all get a little bit better about cutting our kids off, though, <laughs> once they get out of college. I have some work to do. Still paying some cell phones, but you know what? It keeps us young, it makes us feel needed. But fiscal responsibility, they have to learn it, and they're not going to learn it living in your house. So that'll be my assignment. I'm going to make a list, have a goal. I'll report back. And it's great to be back. I hope everyone had an awesome Memorial Day weekend. The weather here in, in New England was great. And we'll see you next week. Keep sending me the hate list. I love it.